0: The Old Testament reading is Psalm 90. Um, I'll be reading a different translation than the Pew Bible. A human lifetime is only a moment. A brave prayer, not only for mercy, but for the gift of joy. A prayer of Moses, man of God. You have been our haven, Lord, from generation to generation. Before the mountains existed. Before the earth was born. From age to age, you are God. You return us to dust, children of earth, back to earth, for in your eyes a thousand years are like a single day. They pass with the swiftness of sleep. You sweep away the years as sleep passes at dawn, like grass that springs up in the day and is withered by evening. For we perish at your wrath. Your anger strikes terror. You lay bare our sins. In the piercing light of your presence All our days wither beneath your glance Our lives vanish like a breath Our life is a mere 70 years 80 with good health And all it gives us is toil and distress Then the thread breaks and we are gone Who can know the force of your anger? Your fury matches our fear Teach us to make the use of our days and bring wisdom to our hearts. How long, O Lord, before you return? Pity your servants. Shine your love on us each dawn and gladden all our days. Balance our past sorrows with present joys. And let your servants, young and old, see the splendor of your work. Let your loveliness shine on us and bless the work we do. Bless the work of our hands the word of the Lord.
1: Our second scripture lesson this morning is from the Gospel of John. In the fifth chapter, we have a wonderful story about a man being made whole. Let us listen for God's word. Now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there is a pool, called in Hebrew Bethesda, which has five porticoes. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat, and began to walk now that day was the Sabbath let us pray loving and gracious God this is the Sabbath this is the day that you have made for us to be made whole We do long to have our brokenness mended, our discouragement given hope. We do long, O God, for deeper love and grace and soaring life. So come to us now by your word and your spirit and speak to us each one of us that which we need to hear, that we may stand up, take our mats, and walk. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My grandfather was an attorney by profession, but a horticulturalist by vocation. I've been told that he was considered something of an eccentric. We had this property where he cultivated grapes and planted iris and roses and daffodils by the dozens. He had a whole orchard with apple trees and pear trees and peach trees and he grafted persimmons and made his own different kinds of persimmons. He had a love for life, a curiosity, A spirit of experimentation and the courage to be different. He instilled in his children and in his great and his grandchildren an appreciation for nature and life. He died before I met him. At the age of 56, he had a heart attack. Fifty years later, we still walk through the orchard. We collect walnuts and haul them, and bake them into chocolate chip cookies. We cut purple iris to decorate the graves every Memorial Day. We walk through the Emmerich Woods, which he preserved, and at Christmas time, we eat persimmon pudding. It's good when you make the rum sauce that goes with it. He lived and he left us a wonderful legacy. To seize life as a wonderful gift and to give it away wonderfully is what God desires for each of us. At the pool in Bethsaida, which we have come to call Bethesda, which means House of Mercy, It was thought that an angel would come down and stir the waters and when the waters were stirred if you could get there first while the water was still bubbling that you would be the one who would be cured now this man was there for 38 years he had missed out over and over again he would try to get there first and he never made it and there was nobody there to help him and Nobody saw that it was his turn. So many missed opportunities. At first, it was discouragement, and then resignation, hopelessness, and maybe even contentment with the way things were. But Jesus was not discouraged nor content. Jesus wants this man to get up and get on with his life. And so Jesus asks him, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? And this reminds us that God's will for us is life and wholeness of body, mind, and spirit. And we expect our man lying there to just say, yes, Jesus, yes. I've tried but there's no one here to help me and I can't get there we want him to seize the opportunity it's Jesus who seizes the opportunity to make this man whole and Jesus does it by breaking the law Jesus will make us whole even if it breaks the law. It is that important to Jesus. It was the Sabbath. So Jesus asked each other to us today do you want to be whole? Are you living your life to the fullest? What would it be like to live fully to the glory of God and all that God has made us to be. in a way, it's asking, are we living the life that we long to live? Is this why God made me? Am I devoting my life to what is purposeful and gives meaning and joy and love? Am I fully alive? some of us may think well, there isn't any time left. And Jesus wants us to squeeze every bit of life. Some people are made most whole as they die. I have seen it. I have seen a wholeness that comes upon a person, a peace as they breathe their last. This is what God desires for us. And some of us may think there's going to be time. There's going to be time for that which I really love There's going to be time when the Easter's over, when summer comes, when the kids leave the house, when the dog dies. (laughs) That's the joke where the, uh, when does life begin? And the Protestant says, When the baby's born. And the Catholic says, at conception. And the rabbi says, when the dog dies and the kids go off to college. We think there's going to be time. And some times we may just put our heads in our hands and think, No. I am stuck. I don't like my life. I know I'm not living. I can't get out of it. I don't know what to do. And there's that discouragement and creeping hopelessness that our lives are slowly killing us. The cultural values that we serve keep us busy from minute to minute. When we wake up, we run around, we work so hard until we drop down on the couch exhausted at night in front of the television until it's time to go to bed and get up and do it again. Psalm 90 says to live wisely. To seize every opportunity to do what is most meaningful. It took great courage for that man by the pool at Bethsaida to stand up. I don't think he just jumped up, I think his knees were wobbly. I think his back hurt. I think it took some time. And maybe he didn't get up right away. Even though the text says immediately. When you've been down for 38 years, immediately. Maybe an hour. Or two. Or a week. But he made it up. And he got strength. To take up the couch and walk and live. I think that one way we break that cycle of death, that we break that constant cycle, or where we get that challenge for our discouragement and our hopelessness is by coming here. We do something so countercultural to the grind or to the discouragement or the resignation by coming and sitting in that place where Jesus confronts us every week. Be made whole. Wherever you are, whatever is happening to you, what limitations you have, seize even the little moment of wholeness and love and joy. And know that it is that fullness of life that Jesus longs for each of us. Today is Legacy Sunday. And we know that at some point there's going to be that plea to leave the church in your will. Okay, here it is. Many of you have already done that, but we want 100% participation. Woohoo! It's not just a day to think about what happens with our stuff after we die. It is a day to think about are we living our legacy now? Are we doing that which is important? Are we living for that which we would leave our stuff to? do we know what we value most and are we living our days and our moments and seizing the opportunities to do that with our lives I want to tell you two stories the first is of an elder at Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church who's moved to the great beyond in mid 20th century. He was an attorney in D.C. His name was Wilbur LaRoe and he came to church here. In January of 1950, this was reported in a small hometown paper in Oregon. He was quoted. I love the church for what it means to my dear ones and for the direction it has given my own life. I believe that the church has the answer to race prejudice, to fascism, to war. It is hard for me to criticize the church for little things which at times I do not like. So great is my love for the church because of its history, its background, the loving service which it renders to millions of families, and the hope that it holds out for a torn and chaotic world the reason that an elder here was quoted in this small-town paper in Oregon is that as an attorney he also of course served as an elder and church meant so much to him and he gave his time to it that he became the first elder moderator of the Presbyterian Church, USA. But not only did he live his life for that legacy, if you turn around and look, you'll see he gave us the resurrection window and all the windows in Johnson Chapel. So much did he believe it was important that we who would sit here sixty-three years later would have the light and the love of God shine down upon us. The second story I want to tell is was reported in the BBC this week that this little church in Surrey, England was doing some construction and they were taking apart a wall so that they could add on to it and they were taking apart it stone brick by brick because these were very old and important bricks and they got to one that was hollow and inside this hollow brick in the wall was a glass jar and it had a tin lid and was sealed with wax. Now, they could have taken it to the pastor right away, but they opened it right there, and inside were Sunday school booklets from 1870. Sunday school booklets, a little children's magazine, scripture lessons, a time capsule left. For almost a century and a half, given as this kind of legacy, there was a letter there to the church of the day when it was found. You know, They wrote to the people of our time about the mission and the vision of the church. And that church still held that vision. They were still living that legacy. And I think that says something to us, not just about the leaving of a great big stained glass window, but of the teaching Sunday school or reading a scripture lesson. They seized these opportunities, and that sustained that church. It sustains us in our lives. Every spring, in my grandfather's cabin where he planted the orchard and grafted the persimmon trees, there are daffodils that bloom. Not by the dozens anymore, but by the hundreds, maybe even a thousand. A thousand daffodils there, out in the front of that cabin, it is a sea of yellow. We would pick daffodils by the coffee can, great big coffee cans. I marveled that we pay $5 for six daffodils at the grocery store when we picked them by three or four coffee cans full, and it didn't even make a dent. It was just this sea of gorgeous, brilliant, yellow, rising up from decades past, from the bulbs that he planted, that he lived, he lived his legacy, and he left it for us. Jesus asks us, do you want to live? the opportunity to make the man whole. He seizes, Jesus seizes the opportunity to make us whole. Let us take the gift and live. Amen.